Hey there, welcome to Why We Roll, a tabletop role-playing game design podcast. We're your hosts, Chris Pickett, creator of the historical fantasy game Dance Macabre, and Wythe Marshall, creator of the political sci-fi game Stillfleet. Throughout the show, Chris and Wythe hope to amplify new creative voices. We'll chat with different TTRPG designers focusing on the world of indie games. We take a curious approach to game design, working through a range of mechanical and narrative questions that are pertinent to many designers, players, and GMs. We hope to showcase fresh and even challenging ideas about what makes imagination-based games just so powerful. Okay, let's find out why we roll. What's up, Chris's? We have two Chris's. <laughs> we are Legion. Yes, we have two Chris's. Yeah, I'm Chris Pickett. And I'm Chris Wolf. <laughs> that's a good, and that's a good I'm intro. Not Chris. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm Wythe. Um, and yeah, this is why we roll Chris Wolf. Thank you so much for joining us. Really a pleasure and honor uh, to meet you. Thanks um, for having like me. Work. Yeah. yeah. You too. Chris Wolf. Well, for the sake of the show, we're going to refer to you as Chris. I'll be Chris P, but we'll we'll keep it clean that way. Sure. Uh, wow. But I'm, I'm new here, and I already get yeah first name preference. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you're you're our guest of honor, our first guest of honor. Chris is the author of uh, two different games that are out. Uh, one of them is Offworlders. It's a super fun rules light powered by the apocalypse PBTA uh, romp in space is how I always think about it. How would you describe Offworlders, Chris? I mean, you basically nailed it. I like Offworlders. It's where I usually don't refer to it myself as PBTA, even though like everyone's like, no, this is obviously PBTA. Because <laughs> I feel like, I, like I, and to my mind, I feel like I threw out some of the most important stuff in PBTA, which is like the like big like moves and like text and like, I, it's like sort of in the like PBTA light or like where it just uses the kind of like core 2D6. Anyway, I'm getting into the weeds, but um, I feel like, very intentionally falls squarely into the like okay we want to be a crew of weirdos like running around in a spaceship getting into trouble like scraping by genre and at the time when i started writing it i feel like i had seen a couple other like i i it was during the phase where i was like really into dungeon world and like all of you know that kind of stuff and on that like part of my ttrpg taste journey and like i was like oh cool i would love to be able to play with like this kind of framework there were a couple people were cooking similar things at around the same time that weren't, you know, exactly suited to my particular taste. And I feel like that's how people get into writing their first RPG is like, there are a million systems that do this thing, but like not exactly the way that I want it. Mm -hmm. um, and that was where the genesis of that was. And yeah, it's like a really like slim book um, that just kind of gives you the basics. Yeah, I, mean, I, have it, um, I have it right here. There it is. And honestly, like, I feel like 90% of Offworlders being at all like popular is Olivia's art, which really like, I feel like sets the tone um, in a way that like, you know, it was just a like blank Google doc um, until she was like, can I do art for it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we should take some time to shout out uh, Olivia Gulen, uh, who is the artist on Offworlders. Yeah. Um, also kind of uh, by way of uh, B. John Steven from Fun City is a, yeah friend friend of the show friend of the podcast uh <laughs> six degrees of ttrpg nerd separation there but yeah it's a it's a beautiful book uh it looks great it reads super well i love it uh i know wife you also have a copy of this 
Yeah, yeah, I bought the PDF and I uh, I just basically buy everything PDFs or, or did really for like 10 years there um, since I was a real bibliophile. You know, I spent way too much, all my allowance. And then when I started earning money, money on, you know, RPG books. And so for the longest time as an adult, you know, I didn't buy physical books. I've just dipped my toe back in. So I feel like I might pick up a real copy, you know, physical copy of Offworlders um, soon. But I, I, I do love, love it. And it is in my... You know, I have a folder of like the games I actually look at, which yeah. are like, <laughs> I appreciate that. there's, there's not that many. There's like, they're all sort of OSRE games. They're like mostly everything by Amy Allen, uh, Offworlders and Spire and like my own games. And that, you know, it's like, I don't use a lot other than that. What if, when I'm actually jamming, I'm like, yeah, I need a good idea. Let me look at, um, honored to be in that, that company. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I got like Electric Bastion Land just for like zany ideas, Gradient Descent yeah. just for zany ideas. But again, Offworlders as a system, I'm more, I would be more likely, uh, were I not running my own game sort of obsessively to to actually play it. It, it works. Um, also, you had a ship called the Quiche Lorraine, which is, I think when I, by page seven, I was like, I'm in. Yeah. Because we're naming stuff after food. Yeah, uh, I mean, that was just, thing. Olivia did an illustration of a ship and just like wrote Quiche Lorraine on it. So it like became the <laughs> default uh it's canon. Know, like, here's the example ship now. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's definitely <laughs> canon. Well, I think it's nice too. It sets it sets uh, the the tone of the kind of world building that you've done within Offworlders. You know, it's it's got some serious sci-fi elements. It's got at the same time it's it's about having fun in space. Yeah. Yeah, I think I basically just wanted to be like, okay, I'm gonna I, like the rules stuff. I'm just getting all of the broad strokes things you sort of expect from the genre. And then you sort of add what you need. It's funny because like the tone of Olivia's art in the book versus like the tone of the actual sort of like playtest campaign that I was running for my friends, which was like sort of like grotesque and weird, like and grimy, like I think like a PC got his like head blown off with a shotgun in the second session. <laughs> you know, like Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that also speaks to you and what what I know about your preferences for uh, you know like running D and D games and uh, kind of first edition D and D kind of OSR that good good high lethality. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a fan of like I'm always trying to be like I'm not trying to kill you, but the game and the world might be. Yeah, um, which is you know that that fun balance. Um, I think it's a great place to like sit um, to kind of get a lot of tension. I actually wrote Offworlders. Was it before? Or kind of, I think I might have like been writing Offworlders before I ever actually looked closely, especially at like original Traveler, or mm -hmm. old, you know, classic Traveler. And then as I, on that taste journey, got more into like OSR stuff and like really looking at like BX and that kind of 70s um, like emergent stuff. Like I think a lot of like the early OSR, or early actual to early TTRPG stuff. Uh, and what drew me into OSR was like leaning on like systemic emergence through like tables and prep mm -hmm. um, where like no one has any idea what's going to happen at the beginning right. of the session. And like that brought me all the way to like reading Traveler. And then I was like, okay, now I need to do another space game that like captures some of this stuff more. I'm seeking success in the CTRPG world by creating games that like directly compete with each other. That's Oh yeah, same. Same. <laughs> That's a good way to do it, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that does bring us to your second game that you're working on, which is uh, Night Tripper. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Night Tripper is my like stab at a like very sort of much more direct traveler like. You know, having sort of read original Traveler and run it a little bit, and the sort of the the pleasure of like creating those planets 
all the way up through the way that I think the game kind of wants to be run. If you just like, you know, do that thing where you're like, okay, this game from the seventies was complete as a box set. And like, what does that tell us? And what is it doing? There's a great blog series called traveler out of the box. I don't know if either of you have seen it. It's like, I I, I think it's like required reading, um, especially if you like are getting into that style of game. Oh, it's on the blog is called like tales to astound. And it's from, I don't know, 10 years ago. And the whole premise of the series was like, okay, I'm taking 1977 Traveler as written, not trying to like bring in any anything about how I think RPGs are supposed to be run, because this is literally a different era in game design where the term RPG barely exists. It's 1977, uh, so D&D is only three years old. Mm-hmm. And like, what are these books? Like, like, if you play with these rules in these books, what is it actually doing? And there's a particular post that's called, like, the casual and improvisatory nature of original Traveler. And it describes, like, if you look at the rules, it's like, okay, so you get to a planet and the players can, like, look for a patron to get a job. And if they successfully find a patron, then the GM is just supposed to roll, a like, D66, basically, on a table of patrons and, like, offer and, like, invent a, a job, like, an adventure from... Scratch, scratch, yeah, and present it to the players who can then like refuse it, right? So like, which is a very different idea, even of like what we think of like a sandbox adventure game now, where it's like, okay, you prepare adventures that are like sessions worth of play ahead of time, and like hope your players get them, or you like ask the players what to do at the be like at the end of the last session, you ask them what you should prepare for the next session, mm-hmm. which are both kind of more structured and ultimately, I think like more linear than like what he's talking about and like what is actually happening in original traveler. And of course you can always like import adventures and prepare stuff. If you know the direction your players are going in. Um, but basically I was like, okay, I, I want to play this game, but I want to remove a lot of, cause like even original traveler has a lot of that like wargaming like language and there's like overhead. Um, there's some like mechanical overhead, even though I think at its core it is like, basically a rules light improv game like masquerading as a complex yeah. 70s war game basically the game is like throw 2d6 the referee will like tell you whether or not you succeeded and some of the other numbers on your sheet like might come into it but like it's it's 90 percent vibes and then a like absurdly <laughs> complicated starship combat thing where you're like measuring out vectors for miniatures using string anyway like i read those blog posts and i like having read Classic Traveler and being like, this game is awesome. And like, no one, like it's this whole other branch of what RPGs I think can be that is not hewing to like, I don't know, the um, sort of like factions that exist, or it was like, oh, you have like story games and you have like OSR stuff. And I'm like, oh, here's basically a game that is like a old, it is a seventies game that is just telling you like, basically like, like just make stuff up, but like do it confidently and with authority. Yeah. Anyway, I was like, okay, I want to play that style of, like, space sandbox. And these sort of, again, like, the other options that were out there weren't quite doing it for me. Like, Stars Without Number, which is, like, Kevin Crawford's, like, really cool thing. Like, the way that he does sandboxing and all that stuff actually, like, doesn't quite jive with what I want out of it. And mm-hmm. there are a couple kind of Traveler, not quite retro clones. There's, like, Cepheus Engine, which is, like, I don't know, the Traveler tree is complicated and weird but there's like cepheus which is like a clone of like mongoose traveler first edition and there's like cepheus light which is a little bit closer to a classic traveler but it's like a little more modernized in ways that i think like do different things 
and so there there isn't really like a original traveler like clone out there. And Night Tripper is not a clone. It's kind of a trying to get at the same thing, but with on like as little overhead as possible. And that was kind of the the starting point of like what I wanted what I wanted to make. And originally, some of it was like, okay, I'm gonna release this as like a supplement to Offworlders um, that like brings in some of that like sandboxing and trade. Mm-hmm. I got to a point where I was like, okay, well, I, I, I like don't actually at this point love the like mixed success result on dice. Then you, I got into like yeah. game design brain. I was like, I want to go full sort of like old school style with this. Um, I think the closest analog is to be like, okay, what like Nave is to D and D is kind of what like Night Tripper is to Traveler. And yeah, and I, Night Tripper's been going on for like years. <laughs> like I don't have, I didn't ever had like a release date. I'm just like. Every once in a while, I run it a little bit and I tweak it. Um, it's like I just put it online um, in sort of beta form, so it's on a website. It's like free for anyone to access. Yeah, I think uh, wife has linked that in our chat. So anybody watching, if you want to check it out, I definitely encourage you to. But yeah, it's uh, night tripper dot fun. And yeah, that's kind of where that came out. I actually think I think the first thing I wrote for Night Tripper was like. If you open up Original Traveler, there are these these combat tables, <laughs> which are like such like seventies war game brain, where it's like, yeah. okay, here are all of the weapons, and here's like every modifier at every different range for every weapon, and here are all of the armors, and here are like all of the modifiers for like each gun versus each armor at each range. It's like two different yeah. huge tables, and I was like, there's something like I love that, like I love looking at tables and having like weird outcomes and stuff, but like in the middle of a fight in Traveler, it's like, okay, okay, we yeah. Got the, the, Every shot, right? And so the first thing I did was Nitro for Nitro was starting to write, like, okay, if I want to do, like, weapons at range in a way that is, like, easier, what does that look like? And started, like, like I don't know, it was one of those, like, also that was up until, like, 2 a.m., like, drawing, like, okay, well, like, what kind of weapons do we need? And, like, how can I, like, how can they account for different ranges? And that was, like, weirdly enough, I think the first thing I wrote. <laughs> no, I love that, that like, that kernel of, like, what you do want to do and what you don't want to do with a given system when you're really going back. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I know what you mean about, like, obsessively doing the same thing, but again. So it's, like, you competing with yourself because you want to do it better or, or, like, you're interested in a slightly different thing. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, the actual, like, moment-to-moment, like, play level, like, Offworlders, I think, does that, I don't know, that... You know, like that PBTA, but like the light PBTA almost of like, okay, you're going to get that like mixed success a lot. You're going to get sort of like cinematic mm-hmm. action where you're making a lot of like judgment calls on the fly and sort of success at cost and all that. And I was kind of like sick of that. And I was like, okay, I kind of was in that place where I was like, I want the system to do something approximating like a simulation yeah. of the world. And then the, 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 the referee and the players kind of like filling in mm-hmm. most of the actual flavor. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I will say, you know, Offworlders reminds me a lot of World of Dungeons as opposed to Dungeon World or Apocalypse World or anything like that. World World of Dungeons was my starting point. I was like, uh, I, I had started with like Dungeon World as a starting point. I was like, okay, I'm gonna have like classes and all like the different dice, and that was too much. And it was actually, I don't know if you know, um, Joe De Simone. He is he works for Modifius now, um, but he's always been sort of like RPG like expert and commentariat. But he came and did a play test, and he was like, "Is Dungeon World really the right model for this?" Yeah. And it took me like and and ha- just having heard him say that to me like five minutes later, I was like, "No, you're right, it's not." And then I went one step simpler with World of Dungeons, which actually I think at that point I had become more familiar with Traveler and World of Dungeons and the core of Traveler, where it's just like roll two d six and figure it out from there is much more aligned. Mm-hmm. 
And so, yeah, it's it's basically World of Dungeons with extra crap stuck on <laughs> uh, to put it in space um, and give it a little more structure. You know, I, I've run a lot of, of Powered by the Apocalypse games, mostly Apocalypse World, and then Tremulous, which was the first sci-fi version I encountered, which was very Lovecraftian and I thought was cool. Um, but I thought the mixed results are never as good as binary results, you know, because they open up, they take kind of longer to adjudicate and binary results can still be narratively. Like there's a lot of improvisation and like interpretation that happens. So you don't need like a third category of thing. You just Mm -hmm. have, you succeeded, but da 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 monkey's paw or you failed da da da. (laughs) but interesting, interesting thing that happens. So it's not just boring. Like, Oh, you stub your toe and don't do the one thing you're trained at. (laughs) Yeah. I I think like the mixed, and, and this is a very like taste thing and I do not want to get into like a, story games versus like osr because that is so laden with crap yeah 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 but i think that like that is just kind of preference right where i think yeah if you are designing a game where the mechanics are pushing for particular like narrative outcomes or like a style of narrative right or like an arc then having that gradation in results can be very useful right like powered by the apocalypse games because the middle result which is like you succeed at some kind of cost is the most common result. Those games become about people like succeeding through struggle uh, yeah. on like a macro level. Whereas the kind of like high randomness of just like on off, yes, no can like both kind of needs a little bit more like reigning in and like, I think GM finesse, but I think also allows for things to go in many different directions. And I think bold statement sort of like works better for open sandboxy kind of games mm-hmm. um, because I, like them being able to go anywhere at any time i think for me it's more an approachability thing like if you if you're used to improving, then you don't need the third category but i, I can see how if people now like because i grew up with D as a kid and got really used to the improving, but i can see someone was, was chatting about that in the comments you know but i think if you didn't grow up with that and like so that's part of it's a compliment i'm trying to make in this sense that offworld is just very very good it's very approachable and that's one aspect that it might be more approachable to more people is to say you know, the monkey's paw is built into the narrative structure more yeah. because there's a mechanic. Whereas you can always add that as a GM, right. but it might help people who are not as familiar, you know, to have the, the PBTA kind of structure in there. So, you know, I, like, like say, I think you're right. It's a matter of sort of style. And like, what are you going for with any specific projects? It's interesting to hear you narrate how Night Tripper is different than Offworlders. Um, since I'm pretty familiar with Offworlders, I only learned about Night Tripper from Chris the other day. I mean, they're like thematically identical, right? Which I think is yeah. kind of a fun, <laughs> right? It's like, okay, you're going to be the crew in your spaceship running around doing jobs or whatever, which I think basically culturally goes back to Traveler, which is weird. Like, if you think about that whole genre, like, where does that come from? I think it's basically Traveler. Like, Firefly, they say, was, like, inspired by Joss Whedon's Traveler campaign. Uh, I mean, there's, like, Star Trek and stuff that is the, like, but it's a very different energy. I'd say Battlestar Galactica in the 70s, but it's, again, it's military. It's not so much the fun of Firefly. Yeah. Yeah, there's, like, military, and there's, like, the discovery, and there's the utopian stuff in Star Trek, but the, like, oh, shit, we're, like, running out of money, and, like, we're sort of, that's sort of, I mean, we're, like, ground-level space adventure thing, right? Traveler was super, yeah. It's not a space opera, right? It's not these kind of, like, grand scale, in the way that you get with Star Wars or Star Trek or any of these other kind of, like, you know, classic staples of a lot of sci-fi. Yeah, it's it's much more, much more nitty-gritty. Yeah, and I think Traveler is one of those things where once you like read it and see what's going on and play it, it it's like it, it is weird because it's not like a household name. Even a lot of people who are very into RPGs have just like never looked at it. 
because um, I think it's seen as either like it's like the contemporary versions of Traveler have this pretty like trad game mentality. So like RPG designers are like oh, okay whatever, and then like original Traveler sort of was the other game in the seventies, and people always remember like oh like death and character creation, what a weird quirky kind of. Um, but once you get into it, and then you start seeing it, it's like oh like elite, you know, like which is like elite dangerous and like no man's sky and all of the like big space trader games and the way they operate of like going from systems to system being able to like buy low and sell high and like get into trouble on the way yeah that's all traveler like that all comes from traveler in like a really weird direct way my friend is a a media studies scholar and a historian of games and he was really into um because i really only like ttrpgs he knows a lot more about board games and especially video Mm -hmm. games and he said a lot of this stuff in TTRPGs and war games was actually coming out of early, early, like you had to get code in the mail in a magazine video games oh, yeah. to simulate whole economies. So people were playing some sort of like wax outing version of civilization where like you're, it's like Catan, like you're like trading sheep in ancient Sumer or whatever, but they were building the program by code. And it was fascinating to hear how that influenced all these waves of game design later. And so the economic simulationism, it's like they they weren't doing that necessarily because it was the most fun. It was just building on playing chess by mail. And so when computers came out, they did chess. And then they're like, what else could we do? Well, it's pretty good at simulating kind of numbers changing over time. So they Mm -hmm. used it for economic, like you trading wheat for sheep or whatever. Um, And it was only later they even tried to like make, I guess, uh, you know, some of these other these other conceptual leaps. But um, yeah, it's interesting that you're, you're probably right. Travelers like what concretizes that is like, all right strip out boring stuff you're you're moving goods around and yeah like a western uh like samurai vibe as, as Skullboy in the chat is saying don't don't let whedon touch it <laughs> <laughs> i love that i mean i think um like from traveler right you get elite like the original elite computer game from like 1984 which i've been playing recently it's a Ooh. little hard it's a little unapproachable like, on like a like a dos emulator that like I I consider like elite is to traveler what rogue is to D and D. Like rogue came about because someone was like, okay, I want to play like D and D by myself on my computer, <laughs> so <laughs> right, I need right, right. a computer to like generate dungeons and um and then but like the whole genre of roguelikes and the impact that that has had on video game design. And I think like people don't necessarily draw like, okay, I'm playing what's a really popular roguelike kind of roguelike st- uh What's the Greek one? That everyone loved Hades. 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 Like I'm playing Hades, and this is like a direct descendant of basically like O D and D in this way. That like I think like you know people play like Elite Dangerous, and it's basically a direct descendant of Traveler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the circulation of of like what parts of ex- exploration are fun, and what the GM improvises to bring like away from the video game world. Where so there's sort of different tasks for game designers, and I I don't know. I can only imagine what video game designers do because you're writing scripts now to like like in No Man's Sky or whatever, like develop procedurally different things. But as a, as a GM and as a game designer for TTRPGs, uh, it's funny to think about this. I had the same reaction with Traveler as a kid where like a lot of it seemed interesting because I love space stuff. And a lot of it was like, this is so boring. Like <laughs> I don't want to simulate economics or military interactions this way. Like I want to have the exploration of a group of, of friends like traveling through space. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that idea to sort of strip out stuff and and I, i'm just curious what you think like something that grabbed me about apocalypse world when it dropped that was so impactful when that book first came out was the idea of fronts and so it's like you yeah. don't have to plan a whole adventure what you're planning is a series of sort of people who want stuff who will yeah. realistically eventually go head to head with your players like your players are going to do their murder hoboing or protecting their community whatever <laughs> right suddenly whatever. the war band comes in yeah and they want bullets from the bullet farm and you you live in the bullet farm or whatever right, right. 
whatever it is. And so I think like you can apply that logic to space and develop fronts for space yeah. games that aren't simulationist. They're not like, ooh, how many megabits am I getting for like space wheat today? Yeah. So like the problem is like like I am the per- like I want to know how many megabits I'm getting for space wheat. I, like <laughs> okay, that is okay. what I want to play. But I think that True. like there's another blog that's like the four engines or the four pillars of classic traveler. Uh, I forget the name of the blog and I forgot who wrote it and I'm sorry. The part that makes original traveler like unapproachable and what is really like the project of night tripper is that in original traveler, like so many of those numbers are so large, like just like having to deal with like extremely large numbers adds its own friction to play. But I think like the, especially in a sandbox where I'm sort of in night tripper trying to do sort of like, I don't know, like, like narrative last kind of play. Where it's like, I mean, like, like, but on, like doing that sort of like, okay, I have no idea what's going to happen at the beginning of the session. I don't have a plan, really. But like, the players are going to enter this environment and interact with it and move through it. And the story is like, later on, we're like, wow, look at all this crazy stuff that happened during the session, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in, I, I have my, my sort of catchphrase, my pithy is like that the, the sector is actually analogous to like a dungeon in mm. D&D. Um, so like, I think when we look at space sandboxing, a lot of times it's like, okay, here's this big sector full of planets and you have to do a ton of work because you have to put like viable adventures and like write your own, like, like equivalent of like a session of D and D or whatever on each planet or like flesh it out in that kind of detail. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think like in actual, like what traveler does is lets you go like, okay, we are going to like move through the sector. And the thing that is going to drive us to move through the sector is the combination of like, we have this massive debt and we have like opportunities for profit. Right. And then you are moving through the sector, getting into random encounters, looking for patrons and like fighting stuff and then just seeing what happens. Right. And like one of the primary drivers of that movement is like, Oh, we can like buy space wheat on Rantabulous five and sell it on Gleep Glorp at a you know potential profit of like x million credits and like that's why you move in that direction mm-hmm. in the same way that like oh we think there's gold this way is the way you would move through kind of a classic D where like the campaign centers on basically moving through a dungeon yeah like in this case your dungeon is a series of worlds uh each with like different kinds of opportunities and potentials for for profit yeah that's that's great i mean you're you're taking kind of i think both sides of both traveler uh, and a lot of the PBTA stuff where, you know, you're trying to keep it simple, you're trying to keep it streamlined, but also have these more granular macro and micro economics that do move you along. Yeah, it's interesting because you're. it's interesting to hear you describe it that way because you're centering the economic in a way where like... Uh, uh, so social games are trying to like not make it about finding the gold, like where's the loot, or mm-hmm. in this case, the Rantabulan right. space wheat. Um, but, uh, but... But it relates back, like, like thinking of Offworlders again, like to the narrative structure of like, you're all on a ship doing the Firefly thing. Like in a way right. it's, it's epiphenomenal. Like, yeah, you have a debt, you got to pay for your debt, but really you're just hanging with the space homies. Um, right. And that's actually the fun part. So it's interesting that you're, you're, you're kind of walking that line. Whereas some designers, like, like I've turned, you know, away from like, you, you really want money. Like money's kind of a joke. Um, right, right. But you know, in the classic games, it's all about money, and that really is the only driving factor. And in there, it people you know go so far out of their way with the dragon game to justify why they're adventuring, and it's like, dudes, you're only adventuring because of the loot. You're getting that coin, baby. I mean, especially when you think about BX or first edition D and D. That's that was your experience system. That was how you gained experience. Was how right, much right. loot, how much gold pieces worth of stuff you could bring back. Right. 
I mean, I think that actually like works really well as a like gameplay driver in those games in a way that like when you shave it out for like milestone XP or just like XP for defeating monsters in like modern D and D, you kind of lose the the tightness of focus, right? I mean, that, that a million words have been spilt about that particular phenomenon, and I think like is it Jared Sinclair who wrote about like like rules allied as like a philosophy of design, and I think that I'm getting more and more into that as I design where I'm like, it's not that the economics of trade in Traveler or whatever are like the most interesting thing that's going to happen in the game, but the most interesting stuff that's going to happen in the game is going to be peripheral to the rules anyway, Um, and the rules are there to basically like create that void for things to happen. Mm -hmm. Because we are like, because we have this like devil on our back of massive debt, we are going to like move through the world, right? Yeah. Um, and start doing things. The things that we do are not, or are like most interested in like talking about or engaging with are going to be sort of things that happen around those rules as an extension of like what we as players decide to do when we get put in different situations. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's kind of going with like, it's not like a game about money. It's just using the economic to drive the narrative structure, which yeah. I think is, is smarter. It's a better fit to me than the dragon game where, I mean, I guess that's what people argue over is like, is it, does it drive the structure or in real life, you wouldn't do those things for that amount of gold or whatever, um, regardless of whether it's XP or not. So I think a game that assumes you have debt and you're doing things to get out of debt makes sense to a lot of us for one. Right. Right. But also like, yeah. (laughs) And you're still having fun. Very identifiable. Right. Well, well, it's funny because in OD and D your goal, right? Like in, in traveler and stuff, like the the debt is so massive and like, so, and, and like you are not, the most important person in this like universe of space factions and whatever else, like empires. Um, and like, you're never really going to be the most important person. Like you can, you know, I mean, you could play a traveler game until you're all like buying space fleets and trying to conquer worlds. I'm sure that would be fun. Right. But in like, Oh, D and D like early editions of D and D the goal is explicitly to sort of like become the douchebag. Yeah. Like (laughs) you get all the gold from the dungeon so that you can like build a castle and like become a Lord. (laughs) Well, it's the problem right. of Conan the Barbarian. Like when he becomes Conan the King, it's a lot less interesting. Like when yeah, he's running, right. and around, even he gets bored, right? Which he I gets, love. Yeah, like, even like, he yeah. gets bored. Like no one wants to play the domain game in, <laughs> like right, like okay, well now we're playing, uh, like birthright no, like, or rain, playing, you know, or, yeah, or yeah. Uh, you know, like literally, like we're playing chainmail to like defend our domains from each other, um, <laughs> is like not the thing anyone signed up for. Well, and they'd be a different vibe, and I think you'd have a different narrative structure for that game. And I think there, there are games that, the best games that I've seen meld both, I'm thinking, I mean, I guess Apocalypse World, again, like, does a pretty good job of, like, you do care about a community, but you also are an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's something really fun about, like you said at the beginning, you get in a spaceship, you're driving around a spaceship, and so there's things that pull you in a direction or not, but that's not the game. Like you said, the, the fun is other things. So those economic forces, it's not that they're not present or you can't model them, but they're not, like, the only thing you're doing they're not the main thing you're doing um so i think that makes total sense like when you explain it that way yeah i think it's the combination of like okay you're you're being driven through an environment right like some kind of dangerous environment be it a star cluster or a dungeon or whatever and then the combination of like player action uh random things that pop up on tables like encounters and you know I'm sure there's there's some other element, and that like you know creates a kind of like thing that you can look back on and be like, wow, all this crazy stuff happened. Yeah. Um, while we were trying to navigate this space. Yeah, and you can add you can add your spin on it. So 
Rancel Guardian space wheat can just be a boring commodity in, in normal right. daily galactic life. But you could also think through like, there's a space war, a space famine. Uh, there's a noir plot about, you know, plot to, you know, um, to short the Rancel Guardian space wheat consortium. Right. You know, so you can sort right. of add stuff to that, but just the basic economic driver, you're in debt, you do economic stuff because of it. Um, makes sense as a, as a sort of underlying structure that that you and many others have been exploring since the 70s. Um, that yeah. it, your point, it is weirdly different than Star Trek or Star Wars or Battlestar. Like it, it is, those are all opera, they're military. It's mm -hmm. a different vibe. So um, yeah, most of us don't live that way. I'm not out fighting monsters, blowing up Death Stars, saving princesses, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, I think somebody in the chat earlier did bring up Alien, which is probably the, the right, you know, right. outside of the like, you know, crazy yeah. murderous same, extraterrestrial. Same yeah, same year as Traveler. It was 77, right? Uh, Alien 79. It okay, out. so before Traveler. Or Traveler After, was before Alien. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there might uh, even be some influence on Alien from Traveler. But it's all, it's the same zeitgeist, Star Wars, right? the, the first yeah. Star Wars were both 77, which is funny because right. they're like a super different view so different. of science fiction and like space adventure. But right? they're, they're all linked by Geiger and that production team. So you had, you had Hodorowski's yeah. Dune, Star Wars, Alien, Blade Runner, and then actual dune david lynch produced years later and they're all sort of not the same universe but but visually they're like kind yeah. of the same universe in, a lot, in certain ways and that and there wasn't science fiction there really wasn't big cinematic science fiction before that whereas after that within a span of a few years like people are really into it yeah. it's a genre so um I, I didn't live through it obviously but that it's interesting to go backward and, and as you say, like try to see, okay, how is this affecting RPGs? Probably how are RPGs affecting that? I'm sure a, oh, a yeah. historian could dig into that. You know, yeah, um, absolutely. the biggest cultural influence present in Traveler, right? Because before you had like big science fiction and fantasy movies like D and D, right? You have like Appendix N. It's all like pulp, kind of schlock. Like like D and D is not. I mean, D&D &D in its like sort of original conception is not Lord of the Rings. It's like Conan, Fawford, and Grey Mouser. Yeah, um, right. Like basically a bunch of like like grimy, greedy bastards. John Carter on Mars for gold. Yeah, trying yeah. to get gold. Um, and yeah, also John because there's like Martians in live in deserts in original Dungeons and Dragons. Nonsense. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Um, but uh, Travelers, Travelers' biggest touchstone is a series of books called uh doom arrest of terra which is i've read like one or two of them they are like now like a little hard to get they're like these like classic like pulp space adventures in that sort of um what's the word very episodic adventure story uh picaresque picaresque yeah. people in the osr love to throw on picaresque um where it's like, and a lot of the terminology that gets used in Traveler is used in, so Doom Arrest of Terror is like, okay, there's this like big, strong, strapping guy who knows he's like, he's like from Earth, but everyone else is like, Earth is but a myth, you know? It's like, it's that kind of thing. And there are like space nobles the way there are in Traveler. And like, there are like drugs where it's like, oh, you're going to be on a starship for months and the space nobles like take drugs that make the like the trip go faster and they just have these like orgies for like months on end while they're on a spaceship but if you're like a poor adventurer you get like freeze-dried into a brick and just like put into a shelf and there's a chance that you like don't ever wake up which is all also in traveler like mm -hmm. you can um install like cold sleep on your ship and charge people to take it but there's like a one in six chance any passenger like doesn't wake up from cold sleep and it's all Jesus. and it's like traveling low passage and stuff and it's like it's all doom arrest of terra <laughs> yeah man this this there's 33 of these this is absolutely amazing we we're talking it's about insane. our like pen name or like 
names we use. The, the fact it's written no one has name, ever heard Edwin, of Doomeresque of Terra. Like I never heard. Of it is, Ed, this is the Edwin first time Charles I'm hearing about Tubb. it. Yeah, Edwin Charles Tubb. Yeah, Tubb. EC. And it just Wikipedia wow. describes Earl Doomeresque, the protagonist, as galactic adventurer, sometimes bodyguard, mercenary, gladiator, prospector, hunter, gambler, and starship <laughs> jack of all trades. Yep, murder hobo. Yeah, there's there's a skill called jack of all trades in Old Traveler. Um, I think it's also a new Traveler, but it like ha- is more defined in kind of the modern game way. And mm-hmm. in original Traveler, like you can get a skill that's like jack of all trades, and the, the the rules basically say like you you're good at a little bit of everything. The referee can decide like how good you are, but you should never be like better than anyone who's actually a professional. Doomerest is also way weirder, which is like like weirder than your conception of like firefly which is something that like i would love to fold into like traveler like night trooper games like the first i read the first doom arrest of terror book and it's like all of these nobles as well as our hero and who's who is a traveler like all of the nobles refer to like poor like space wanderers as travelers and they're all on this planet for this like once in a century phenomenon. It's called the winds of Gath, where like the winds like blow over this particular mountain range in a way that like generates a psychic phenomenon where you believe you are in the presence of your deceased loved ones. And like nobles can afford to like fly there and back. But then there are all these like poor travelers like living in tents who have like ended up here and have no way to pay their way off the planet. And then of course Earl Doomerest like comes in and like seduces a princess, like murders her bodyguard, you know, like what you know and so it's a series about like Fantastic. it starts off by going to like a space burning man and just yeah, yeah. like yeah he's <laughs> he's doing drugs getting laid and that that's the spawning the whole genre. What's funny is no, that it's it actually like from what you're describing again this is the first time I've heard of these books I'm definitely going to read them. They are pretty pretty misogynist pretty like I, yeah I was going to ask all about... the ways that you can, like like yeah. I have to do the disclaimer as yeah, like yeah, nerdy yeah. dude reading like yeah. like classic pulp stuff for his special interest yes. I, I can't do the full-throated recommendation because you will run into like, oh, there's some awful shit in here. <laughs> well, that's like John Carter. It's unreadable yeah. and unteachable. It doesn't. I don't think it has literary value the same way you can make an argument for Lovecraft and some of the better writers in the sure. HP Lovecraft mythos as just like important to science fantasy broadly. But I think a lot of that schlock is so bad and just like immoral. <laughs> like, yeah, it is kind immoral. Of, why teach it why read it um but it is interesting to know where stuff comes from yeah. uh and so i'm curious to like learn more just to, from the fandom point of like yeah okay that's cool that travelers so directly linked to this very specific pulp yeah um, yeah i mean a lot of it reminds me too of like uh michael moorcock's work you know like describing mm. like the space nobles who are taking drugs on their ships to alleviate the symptoms of long-term travel it's like yeah that, yeah. that yeah. sounds like the uh i'm gonna slaughter it what is it uh melnabonaeans uh from the elric books you know i only gotta read some i've never read any elric and it's, it's like one of those things where every time i look into it i'm like it's still not clear where i should start and i get really confused um, um yeah i mean <laughs> we'll talk after the show i i uh i got i got you there um yeah elric is very good some problematic stuff going on but i do some problematic stuff <laughs> i do think that it holds up better than most of the other pulpy science mm-hmm. fantasy yeah. stuff of the era um it's, i mean conan holds up better yeah. i think than most yeah. of its its contemporaries are worse like 100%. yeah 100%. <laughs> conan is like every once in a while you're like yeah should you describe a person with that adjective no nope. uh, <laughs> So, but th- that's an interesting question about the modernizing this stuff because it's it's funny to hear you say like how I I didn't I would never have guessed this having just read Outworlders and played it, um, but that you're so focused on this earlier era in game design because none of that comes through like it doesn't feel old to me um, either at the level is like of a very uh, 
of it's not like a very sort of <laughs> was it like 2017 sort of powered by the apocalypse like it sits really firmly there and i think i was just getting into kind of like going full sort of old school tilt at that time Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I mean, but even Night Tripper too, it's like, it's very cleanly written. Um, it would be very easy to run and it doesn't right now. It's not tied to specific settings that then could introduce yeah. overly familiar tropes to, to, you know what I mean? So I think, I think it's interesting how um, inspired it seems like you are by some of that earlier era. Um, so I guess one, one way I'm going with that is like, do you, you know, having run games where people accuse me constantly i'm like no it's all hard sf it's based on like reading physics and biology news and they're like yeah but there's like basically lightsabers and like psionics um do you have more science fantasy elements come up in your games or do you really like to stick to like you know that that conception of sort of hard sf where like there's no magic there's no aliens it's just people in space like the asimov kind of yeah i mean i feel like I mean, hard SF, I feel like is like such a loaded label because it's like, I don't care about physics. Like, sure. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not reading about physics. I'm not sitting, like, I'm, I'm basically grabbing genre tropes that I think are cool mm-hmm. and throwing them in there. Um, and I think, like, my favorite space genre is a little bit more grounded in, like, humanity without a focus on sort of, like, magic mysticism. I mean, I am a massive Star Trek fan, right? But I don't know that, I mean, I think like John Harper did a great job with lasers and feelings, but I think the type of like gameplay that I enjoy, I don't necessarily think like lines up with you're all like hyper utopian space explorers, like on a quest for eternal like galactic peace or like, like, yeah. like yeah. The, and the containment, like so much of Star Trek is like on the ship and the relationships between people on it. Like it yeah. doesn't, like there have been a bunch of Star Trek games to me, like Star Trek just doesn't really feel like a game setting unless you're doing a game that is heavily involved in like relationships and that kind of narrative in a, like in a way that I don't come to role-playing games for. If that yeah. <laughs> makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, I completely um, agree. I mean, no, no like, offense to any of those like, games, but yeah, no, they're not as peak um, you mm-hmm. know, they're yeah. not as fun. I think um, I have, I, I keep going back and forth. I'm like, oh, eventually I'm going to put like optional psychic rules in Night Tripper because they're psychic rules in Traveler. And I just think it is like a weird staple of the genre to have like, oh, we've got like one psychic and then you can get into what are psychics in the universe? Are they actively like, you know, and you can put your like, oh, here's like the Inquisition that like hunts psychics and you can put the psychic schools and you can do all of this kind of, they can add a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But I've never been attracted to the straight up like space magic stuff. I'm trying to think of like, science fantasy is such also like it's such a broad and like yeah that's a weird it's a weird uh, category yeah um because you have have, like star wars is pretty is i I think the sort of uh epitome of like space fantasy right but in some ways also like jean carter of mars i hate jedis (laughs) um i'm gonna get in like star trek versus star wars fight although star trek also like it's funny because we think of like star trek is like constantly sort of like gesturing at physics yes but so many star trek episodes they solve a problem with what is essentially magic or it's like oh this nebula is a consciousness and it like put us all in a storybook to like teach us about how it doesn't want us to like suck up its nebula gases right it's like (laughs) like it's it's nuts (laughs) yeah and that's true of, of a lot of good successful fiction which is also true of ttrpgs right session to session you can have a session that is alien you can have a session that is asimov you can have a session that is star wars and there's nothing wrong with that and a lot of these games 
are they skew a little broad on purpose. Um, I actually think various editions of D and D have done this, where clearly there was so much dying Earth stuff in the earlier versions that gets stripped out by the time of two E when it's very high medieval. But now I feel like people can kind of bring that back with the different settings. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's anything a priori good or bad. I think as a designer, it's interesting when you're making a choice very consciously. Um, and it sounds like you are following, like you're interested more in people, not so much in psionics. So that's what you're following, which is totally, yeah. totally fair. You know? I'm, yeah. I'm going to have sections in Night Tripper, like the equivalent of basically like magic items is going to be like esoteric technology and stuff mm-hmm. that is, you know, alien. But I think the aliens are all kind of like, it's like alien ruins. Like they went somewhere um, or it's because... The, the very minimal like framing device in Night Trippers, like there was this big interstellar empire that is kind of like receded and is in the middle of a collapse. Mm-hmm. And so like finding like, oh, here's a abandoned Imperial installation that has like the high Imperial technology or, you know, those are sort of the, when weirder things happen, I think it's going to be tied to sort of like very like high tech or almost like unrelatable, like weird aliens as opposed yeah. to yeah. sort of oh, um, a guy, uh, <laughs> it's, a green, it's a green guy with a sword you know right. yeah 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 yeah. Um, yeah the kind of unfathomable technology is a really good stand-in for you know magic especially if you have players who have mostly been playing things like D or, or or really engrossed in fantasy like you know i, I could understand missing some of those elements um if you were in a game like night tripper or even offworlders but yeah having that having that uh, esoteric technology i think really does sew that up nicely yeah, that's just more tables I got to write. More yeah, tables, yeah. baby. <laughs> it's super fun to write. It's fun to read. And then you can, it's also easy to pick up and leave. So Cosmic Fantasy or like, um, which is, you know, sort of if if you're in that Lovecraftian mode of there's aliens out there, but they're absolutely not things you want to meet or hang out with. And then if you look at Roadside Picnic and Stalker and, you know, this sort of tradition of like aliens that are haunting earth like that maybe they're they're here maybe they came and left like annihilation is the, the movie version that people might have seen more recently like that's another fun one where like they can be messing with stuff and you know you you really don't know what's going on but you know it's 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 technology of some kind um that you're finding and it's just like it's maybe bad but it maybe it could be good so there's a bit of the lore of the monkey's paw thing like maybe you want to go get that stuff um so i, I love that in sci-fi games like a yeah, lot it's good it's good mcguffening on like a cosmic horror note, I remember a, f- a couple of years ago, um, a bunch of people, I think especially people who are more inclined towards like PBTA style systems, um, like I think on like the Gauntlet community, which I don't know if you know, that was like a gaming community that was very into like kind of story gaming and stuff. I think they're kind of still around. I don't know that much. I shouldn't. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, I definitely heard several people talking about running like mothership modules using offworlders, which felt really funny just like i mean just like the visual tone of offworlders very feels different. like so like different from yeah. the, like oh there's you know like an alien ghost like peeling your skull out uh mothership <laughs> vibe um and also just down to the things that sean is doing on a game design perspective mm-hmm. with mother on a uh, from a game design perspective with mothership that is like very different from what because Mothership is a very kind of like old school adjacent kind of classic resolution semi like simulation-y system. Mm-hmm. Um, and Offworlders is doing that like mixed success, like very like narrate around the role. I mean, everyone's, yeah. it's just like a very different style. So it was interesting to me that people were like running all these Mothership modules 
like choosing off-worlders as a system. Yeah. It's funny. I've never thought of them as very different. I think of them as very, very similar. Other than, yeah, I guess the biggest mechanical difference is uh, mixed results versus binary results. Right. But, mm. I mean, I, I guess you're right. I mean, yeah, I guess it comes down to how, wh- which differences you think are the are kind of more more meaningful or like more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, first, but I agree with style. Like off-worlders is a very light like pick it up, do whatever you want in a sci-fi universe. Um, Mothership is definitely going into that sort of dark alien kind of aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the biggest, especially like mechanically, I mean, like like the literal illustrations in the books aside, right? Like mechanically, mm-hmm. Mothership is doing that horror game thing too, where like if you're rolling dice, you're, you're fucking up kind of. Yeah. <laughs> in Mothership, like all of your skills and stuff, you've got like, uh, you're, you're more likely than not to fail any given roll in Mothership right um so I, I haven't played mothership content using offworlders but it's like okay like what does it mean when your most likely result is this kind of mixed success versus annihilation outright failure <laughs> yeah um and how does that affect like the way the players move through a, a horror module um and i think you know obviously your gm can tune that a lot like a mixed success can be anywhere from like okay like i got what i wanted or like, oh, I got what I wanted, but now I like don't have a leg, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going <laughs> to say. It's a like, lot of... I grabbed, I grabbed the alien, but now I don't have a left arm. Yeah, that's yeah, um, yeah. And I mean, again, like a lot of the the difference between the binary systems and mixed success systems, it's it's just different forms of adjudication, right? It's like ultimately yeah. the referee, the GM, whoever, like they make the call at the end of the day. So I I can see them slotting into each other. Not thematically, but definitely mechanically. There's yeah. there's something to that. Yeah, I think Offworlders is also like light enough. That's kind of like, okay. We can just like roll up these characters and go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mothership's not exactly like super complex, but yeah, um, it is a little bit more involved though yeah. than Offworlders. I ran some Gradient Descent, which is like the, the like sort of Mothership Mega Dungeon, using a earlier version of Night River a couple of years ago. Um, and that worked pretty well. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But Nitripper, like, at that point, it was literally, okay, like, roll 2d6, succeed or fail is, like, pretty much, you can, you can do anything with that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, any of these systems, you get used to it, and you can do roll yeah. a d20, I'll figure it out. Um, I mean, that was kind of how the OSR started, in my experience of it, was people just moving away from any specific Dragon Game version and just saying, generally, if it's easy, did you get a 10 or higher, is it a 15 or higher, you know, like, like kind of... Um, playing around with numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also read Gradient Descent is the only mothership thing I, I look at a lot. It's really just a beautiful book. Um, yeah, it's great very, I mean, in a very dark way. And I've I've only ever run it using the grid system. So like, mm-hmm. I assume it works with mothership or offworlders or whatever because it's it's a dungeon. You know, it's more about exploring crazy ideas, really cool ideas yeah. about replicants. You know, the other mothership module I really love is the one that takes place on a station, uh, Pound of Flesh. Oh yeah, I've heard, I haven't read that one. Yeah. Pound of Flesh, like if you were starting a mothership campaign, I feel like that just gives you your like central location um, in this incredibly digestible package with all the different stuff going on that you can get into. And I just when that came out, like reading through it, I'm like wow, just the amount of like I think the information design in a Pound of Flesh I actually kind of prefer it to Gradient Descent mm. without creating oh, any enemies yeah. i just think yeah, like, like yeah. where it's like okay here's a spread that gives like, there's that one amazing spread where it's like six or eight npcs and it's like a re- like these really amazing portraits um i love that artist uh it's like yon so bad with names um but the artist on gradient descent is incredible it's like these beautiful evocative npc portraits and it's like where will they be at different times what do they want 
and like what are their you know uh, tensions, and it gives you just this like oh you can like run this from this page right yeah. <laughs> so what's next is are you working on I know I know you said you worked on Nitro for sporadically, but are you thinking about it ever in terms of a physical product, or do you want it yeah. to live in this kind of wiki SRD format? Yeah. So both i think like i've dipped in and out of working on it i've gone like months without working on it i like moved to la a year ago and haven't been running that much stuff i I dip in and out a lot i like i'm feeling more like i want to get it done now i think like more i've recently seen more people talking about it on discord and stuff and that's like encouraging um and i i i originally just wanted to put it out there for free and i still i want to keep it on that website forever like i don't want to make that disappear um but the like the ego thing is getting to me, and I'm like, I want a book, like I want to make it a book. And I every time I like go back and start like designing a cover in Figma or whatever, I'm like, yeah, I want to make this book. Like, so eventually I would like to do that. I've still got fleshing out of the actual core rules to do and some tweaking. I think there's, you know, it's not like the core is there and it works pretty dang well, I think. Um, but it's right now it's the stuff that I actually don't love doing as much, which is also part of it where it's like, okay, I have to write like, you know, D 100, like esoteric tech items or something. I've got a, which I can only like do for so long. Yeah. yeah. Focus wise. Um, I'm fleshing out the like referee tools for creating the sandbox. Um, Cause my, like my like original goal with Nitro was like, like give me like classic traveler. Like you can ju- go into a sandbox and the players can just like go in a direction and you have something for them. And I want to be able to like, do that kind of sandboxing and do the prep in like an hour um, for the whole campaign or like for the, you know, to start the campaign. Mm -hmm. And that's a little ambitious. An hour is maybe tight, but like, that's kind of my, my like North star is like, okay, I want to be able to roll these dice on a sheet, have planets and then be able to like have the players make characters and be like, okay, like which planet do you want to go to and have like something be there. So I don't have to like do the kind of sandbox thing where you like plan a whole first session, then ask them what they want to do and plan the next session. Like I want them to be able to go anywhere. Yeah. So I'm fleshing out um, more of the stuff to make that quickly feasible. Uh, Cause right now you have like planet generation. Uh, the thing I'm working on right now is like, okay, like how should you then make like factions or organizations? And then from factions, how can you derive uh, like encounters to put on encounter tables and what in Night Tripper I'm calling opportunities, which are the equivalent of like adventures. But I like I'm like when you write an opportunity, make it like basically a couple paragraphs, because if your players can't say no to an opportunity, then you aren't really playing in a sandbox the way like That's fair. I like want you to write like I think if you like your players say like, yeah, we want to go do an adventure, then like put a whole adventure in there. Mm-hmm. But I like I want that ability to be like, oh, okay, we roll to find a patron or an opportunity because we're broke. And then this guy comes out of the shadows and is like, I have an, I have an opportunity for you. And I want the players to be able to say no and the referee not to like be buttered about it. That's like right. the goal. Absolutely. So that requires like a little bit of like, okay, how do you frame those things and like derive those things in a way that isn't going to be a nightmare? Yeah, yeah. Um, the trick is like, don't draw super detailed maps because that's just something you do out of instinct from DNA. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that, so I was actually going to ask you like, uh, you know, as the designer of the game how granular do you want to get with your generation tables i mean i know you have plants and systems things like that i mean are you going down to like specific locations what is what what do you think the future holds for that i see like out the gate basically being able to generate like like i think having planets as the primary thing that is like generated because planets give you a lot of information mm-hmm. uh, just in those like planetary numbers that's a beautiful thing about original traveler um 
where it like leaves you with all these kinds of open questions because you generate the stats of the planet. And you're like, how do eight billion people live on this planet with like a corrosive atmosphere? Like, what does that mean? And then you have to fill those in yourself. And I like that it doesn't give you those answers, mm-hmm. right? Like that, like it asks, it makes you ask the question and then you answer it. And I'm shooting for something like that. So like once you have planets, I'm doing organizations, but I think the the referee basically like designs the organizations, but like derived from and inspired by the planets. And then like the power and like the, the tensions between planetary governments and stuff give you that are like implied just by the numbers, give you a lot to go on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I want to go into like, procedural generation for everything you can run into um i think from planets and like deriving encounters and opportunities i kind of want to go more into like advice and how i run it from just that because i think i will you know it's like okay how do i if the players board a spaceship that they've encountered and like defeated in a battle like how do you improvise the interior of a spaceship right do you need like a series of tables that are like instant spaceship or do you just need to have like okay well like there are engines at the back and there's like a bridge at the front and like i don't think you'd like it's not the type of game i don't think you need like detailed deck plans Mm -hmm. the way traveler has come to have where it's like okay we're moving down corridor a and we're like okay like tell me what room you want to go to it's probably towards the end of the ship and it's like okay like how do i do that and i want to write about like okay how do i conceive of that and put it in there as like referee advice as opposed to sort of i don't know i think you can get carried away with like hyper granular uh proc gen Mm -hmm. in a way that like can be like reassuring to have but i think a lot of it is like unnecessary or you know and also like i don't want to write all those tables (laughs) (laughs) like like that like at some point you know i think being like okay this ship is of this size and it has these stats so how can you then be like okay you know, I, I think I'll include something like, okay, well, roll this many dice to see how many people are on board. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could see doing like, I don't know, <laughs> there's something that's like, okay, like, right, like, what do you find in this bunk? But then, is it ever going to be anything? Like, there's a journal in the bunk that. Yeah, you, know, you can like, get you, could, you yeah. get lost in the weeds really easily with that stuff for sure. Yeah. Well, some of it's like a writing thing. Like, if you enjoy writing that stuff, write it. If you don't enjoy yeah. writing it, there's yeah. no <laughs> need. Do it. You know, like yeah. nobody's gonna make you write it um yeah so like I, i'm doing i am working on like opportunity generation tables where it's like okay if your players need a job tonight or like they're gonna go looking for an opportunity how can you create those kind of like two paragraphs worth of detail micro adventures so you can have one ready and i want to have some tables around that where it's like okay like where's the like the location what's the objective what are you gonna like there's like location location verb like patron objective and just like because that can spark a lot mm-hmm. um but i think once you have the spark it's easy to kind of go in and write i, I right. don't find needing more than that yeah. to get started there was one oh I, and i do want to do uh like bounties like have like a bounty because that's such a staple of the genre and like like other than just like opportunities just have the players be like okay we want to like try and bounty hunt a wanted criminal oh, yeah. and being able to roll up like okay there's a guy whose crime is like i don't know cryo drugs and <laughs> whatever seditious pamphlets um and he's in like this location in the bounties this much and sort of like be able to just go and do it um kind of at the drop of the hat I yeah, think yeah. Be very cool no that's very cool and i mean i think that also like would speak to an entire generation of nerds who watched cowboy bebop a little bit too much like myself yeah. uh who definitely want to be a bounty hunter in space 
Yeah, it's also fun with narrative structure design to give people a sense of like what you want them to do. So like if, if you think it would be fun for them to go after space wheat and then that what they're going to spend time doing is actually trading it, then it's like the rules for that just mean they're more likely to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you don't want them to actually get, you know, if that's just an excuse to right. do something else, then like what is that something else? Um, and some games, some games are so light, they really don't, you know, it's totally open. Um, but it sounds like there are certain things that you find more fun with your groups. Um, yeah. And that makes sense that that would be the stuff you'd want to write. You know, so if the yeah. esoteric tech isn't really the thing you find the most fun as a GM, <laughs> then like, say, I mean, you know, there's no, I mean, I, you know, that stuff is like the, some of the reasons for the the games we make is like to have long lists of like weird alien tech. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's not, it's not good or bad. It's just like, all right, that's, you know, yeah. that's Numenera. That's still fleet. Well, I, also, I love those like open-ended kind of tools that like magic items give you, right? Like, mm-hmm. If you're running around in a sure. relatively grounded sci-fi universe where everyone's like shooting each other with guns that have bullets in them or you know that like kind of firefly stuff, and then all of a sudden someone has like the portal gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> suddenly suddenly you're like playing in this other dimension, which I think is a lot of the fun of like early D D play where it's like yeah. okay, the portal gun doesn't have a series of like mechanics attached to it other than like you make a portal and come out of the other one, and then you're immediately playing in a space that is sort of um orthogonal to the actual rules, which is where I find play to be like most gratifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, and some games want you to make those jumps and some games really don't. And I think yeah. sometimes as a game designer, I just forget. Cause I, from early on, it seemed obvious to me that playing the dragon game straight would never be that fun. So it was like, let's just break the rules. <laughs> Every rule we encounter, how badly can we fuck this rule up? You know, mm-hmm. but I re- but like, that's not, there's so many games where if you play it straight, it's super fun. It's really yeah. satisfying. So there's nothing a priori good or bad about, no. kind of playing in the hacky mode where like the genre keeps evolving or the ro- the version where like, no, we're all leaning in seriously like vampire, right? It can be really fun to be like, no, this is the crow, right? We are goth, we're undead, whatever. Um, and if you, ch- if you joke about it too much or change it too much, it actually isn't that fun. Um, right. So I think sometimes again, that's that genre, that subgenre question um, that I, I think about a lot of sci-fi, but it's like, you know, um, it could apply to anything, you know, it's just like, is this a game designed to be, simulate anything you want or is it kind of guiding you down a specific path mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and yeah i look forward to sort of what night tripper ends up and it and it's it's so funny and i hadn't thought of that but comparing it to offworlders and seeing how one designer like evolves you're thinking i think that's like really valuable to, to sort of interrogate you know yeah Thanks. yeah i mean uh chris wolf is there it, so beyond picking up night tripper when it inevitably drops and it's beautiful and and super um you know, <laughs> oh god thoughtfully produced no pressure. Uh, no pressure. Is there anything else, you know, do you want people to follow you on any particular, uh, you know, channel format? I'm still sort of on the sinking ship of Twitter at, <laughs> I think it's Chris Perrywolf, P-E-R-R-Y. Um, I'm like Chris, just P-Wolf everywhere else, if that's not confusing. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Why We Roll. Our theme music is by the brilliant Sam Tyndall and Arcline. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitch and what used to be Twitter at Why We Roll, and on Instagram at whyweroll.pod. You can find out more about Dance Macabre at timespaceplace.itch.io slash dance-macabre. You can find out more about Stillfleet at stillfleet.com. Thanks for listening.